today on The Breakdown. Just another one of those $130,000 buy-in tournaments we're going to talk about right now. No big whoop. Well, it's a big whoop to some people, I'll tell you what, including these three players we're going to get into right now. And it brings up one of many questions, but one of them is, you have a medium hand in a spot where other people are showing strength. What are you even supposed to do? You just throw your hand away every time? Do you take a stand once in a while? How do you figure this out? Well, we're going to talk about that and a whole lot more right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Yeah, this hand is kind of like uh, in the cracks, in the minutia of poker is, is how I like to think about it because often we'll do hands on the breakdown that have like a big splashy play yeah. or a big splashy decision of some type that we disagree with or agree with strongly. This hand has a bunch of interesting decisions, but they're all kind of like these little micro decisions that you make consistently in poker tournaments and over time they really change how your your tournament goes. And I think... It's interesting to do a hand that's a little bit different. That's a bit more like, how am I supposed to handle these situations that I'm in constantly? Are these players handling it correctly? What do the poker guys think about how these guys are handling these situations? And I think it's it's going to be instructive and pretty fun. I mean, I think I hope it might even be instructive for us, like for yeah. me. Anyway, I hope to like often. Often these podcasts are where I learn yeah. about poker, even though I'm the one talking about it. I'm learning as I'm talking. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, we figured out so so much uh, just doing this show for sure. Um, for me anyway. So yeah, this is this is a great example of just weird spots. I feel like all three players in this hand are in kind of weird spots at different points, like right? Consistently weird spots in every street. Yeah, and th- and this is maybe like you're saying, maybe this is like the underrated part of poker that like you're just in a lot of these sort of medium flame spots of like, well, yeah. I mean, I could go either way, and you can't always fold, but you can't always put the chips in either. Right. And how do you figure it out? You know, not every spot is like, oh, this is a clear spot to bluff because I have the nut blocker, and right. like, then the other guy has to combinatorially figure out how many nuts and how many nut blockers you have, and that's something that we like to do as well. But it's such a more clear spot, right? Yeah. Where these are just a bunch of unclear little decisions. I, I mean, this is the kind of spot you're in way more often than all these. Like you're saying, like like you're in this spot ten times in a poker tournament. Yeah. It feels like while you're in the other spot, maybe once every three poker tournaments, right? If you're lucky, right? All right, you can sometimes force your way into being in more often, but you know, you just can't be in those spots that often, really. Yeah. So yeah, here we are. Let's do this. All right. Well, this was suggested by Ronnie. Yes. On Twitter, the only suggester. Good job, Ronnie. He of course tweeted at us. He included a YouTube link where the poker guys on Twitter. That's you can tweet hand suggestions at us. You can tweet food recipes at us if oh, you want. If yeah. you think you have a really good recipe for a carpaccio, I'm interested in hearing about that. Perhaps you a know that, stew, a good stew. Do you know carpaccio is just raw? Raw. It's just raw. You just slice it. Okay. No, it's like saying, do you have a good recipe for sushi? Well, you just kill the fish and cut it open. Okay, fine. Do, do you, you have, have a good recipe for Do you have a good bolognese? Oats? Okay, you have bolognese. a good bolognese? <laughs> it's a bolognese. <laughs> Careful. I'm allowed to do this. I'm a quarter Italian. <laughs> Those are my people. Yeah, they are. And that's, and yet you hate them. That's, it's no, interesting. I, no, it's, I don't. I just love, it's just I just love inter- talking that way. You're just an interesting Here's mix of psychological... Thing. Here's the thing <laughs> from being a quarter Italian about bolognese. Okay. Or as we like to call it in the north, bolognese. You know, we don't add the A at the end. The bolognese. But I'm, you know, uh, I already have 32 really good recipes of bolognese. But but I'd like a few more. So go ahead and tweet them at me. You know, my mom, Taco who, recipes is, also. who is right. n- has no Italian blood in her, grew up in uh, Michigan, a, Dutch, a Jewish Michigan person, 
has lived in Florida a for a Jewish very long. Jewish Mich- Michigan. Just, just, I'm is just that, trying. That's supposed to paint like a very specific yes. picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, she just she's just a Jew from the Midwest. But um, the point is this: she pronounces almost every word in the English language normally. But if she's going to say um, like ricotta cheese, she says ricotta. <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know why she does it every time, and she's not being funny. She's like trying to be authentic, and it's uh, it's really striking. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people do that type of thing. It's, I think it's most common in, with French words where people try to pronounce the French mm. words as French would pronounce them. Yeah. And maybe that's the correct way to speak English when you're using those words, but it always comes off as condescending. Well, I, but also my mom doesn't do it with any other even Italian word. Really? Just ricotta? <laughs> Just ricotta. I don't know why. It's, but, you know, it's her moment you know, of authenticity. In a similar vein, was pretty fun to try to say it in an Italian way, even though I don't think they say it this way. Mm-hmm. It's spaghetti. You just say spaghetti. Yeah, of course. It's pretty good. Everyone wants to say that. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. Anyway, none of the players in this hand are Italian. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Two of them are Malaysian and one of them is Israeli. And uh, I'm not going to try to do any sort of accents on those people because I have, I have no heritage in any of those places, you know, so I'm, I'm not allowed. And we're, we're really not going to get into that one way or the other, are we? What? Whether the whole allowed thing. We're oh, no, we're not get, walking that path. We're going to get deep in that. <laughs> we are refusing to walk that path. No, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Daniel Negreanu is, you know, lot, a lot of down the path long enough for lot everybody. Of corpses strewn across that path. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we're just going to speak in our normal American accents. Um, so it's day two of this 130K Triton Super High Roller. Feels like they're having a super high roller Triton event like every week. I mean, the amount of money that you could spend playing poker nowadays is outrageous. You know, they just actually announced that they're the biggest buy-in event of all time is going to happen soon. I think it is a Jeju event. It's going to be a one point three million dollar buy-in. Wow. Yeah. So they're just getting bigger. I I think within the next three years we're going to see over two million dollar buy-in, two million or bigger. I think it was about two years ago on this podcast that you said within five years we'd see a ten million dollar buy-in. It's not looking good. No, that's not looking I'm surprised good. We, I'm actually surprised we haven't hit $2 million already. Yeah. Um, or $2.5 million even. I would have thought we'd hit $2.5 million by now. Because like, just these things keep moving exponentially. But, but there's not that many over 300 k right? It's like the big one is the only one. The big, like the big one for one drop is the only one over 300 k I guess that's true. But there's significant 250 ks now. Yeah, there's, there's a plenty of 250s. Like the amount of six-figure buy-ins is kind of outrageous at this point. It's like it's regular to hear it the six-figure buy-in. I remember now. in like 2013, 2014, 100Ks were a huge deal. Guys, remember Tony G folds the set of fives yeah. because it's like one of the early 100Ks. And he like figures Seidel's never making a move, even though Seidel really can't have it. Turns out Seidel does have it and isn't making a move, and Tony G's right. Remember that? That's the yeah. nines against uh, the Aussie aces millions. against fives. Yeah. It might have been maybe it might have even been like the first hundred K. If not, it's like one of the first two or yeah. three. Um yeah, and so it's just so different now. Like I, I imagine Tony G would never fold fives now, but but also Sidel would be playing it differently now. Well, he's right. Busy governing some part of Europe. So Croatia, yeah. No, it's not Croatia, it's Lithuania. Well, then why did you say some part of Europe? Because I don't know if his actual... I set you up is what happened. No, it's not. It's because I don't know if his actual title is in the Lithuanian parliament or as a representative to the EU from Lithuania. So I don't know which part he's actually in the government of. Wow. That was just... You're just very dislikable right now. Wow. I'm just speaking for the audience. That was really mean. (laughs) I I don't feel like that was deserved. (laughs) You got too into the weeds, buddy. Trying to suss out the Lithuanian situation (laughs) over here. Go ahead, get on Wikipedia and get back to me. All right, let's get to the hand. All right, so it is day two. 130K buy-in, significant buy-in. 26 players out of 75 remain, so there are not going to be any ICM considerations. Mm-hmm. We are many, many, many hours, if not days, from the money yeah. in this event. 
Um, Probably. Our three players are Chan Wei Long, who is the most experienced or at least the most successful player of the three. He's got 6.7 million in earnings, most of them coming in 2018 and later. Mm-hmm. So he's having a pretty good run right now. Yeah. Uh, Chun Tong Xiao. These are the two uh, Malaysian guys. He's got two million in earnings, so that's not too slouchy. Sure. And then our third guy, who is, his last name is Amidi, and they just have Amidi on there, and it's like it starts. Eh, I forgot his first name, but his last name is Amidi. Okay, that's what it says on the thing, and he is our Israeli player, and he's his biggest cash is seventy five k, and he's only got just over two hundred k in earnings, and he's playing in this event. So Kinda. there's only two possibilities. Yeah. One is that he satellited in, and as I think I said to you when you mentioned this to me before the podcast, I'm like, maybe double satellite? Like, he satellited yeah. into the satellite, and then he satellited into right. this. That's possible. Or probably more likely is that he's a big-time cash player, and he just bought his way. Yeah. That's like, all his friends are playing this event. He plays with these guys in Macau or whatever, and he's just playing this He's just like, there. yeah, whatever, I'll play a tournament. I don't really like tournaments, but I'll yeah, play it. Like, like, fine. Yeah, that seems like the most likely thing. Um, I, don't, I don't even know if these things have satellites. I don't either. Like, they don't uh, care, right? It's all about the rich people just playing with the pros. But it's rare to see somebody who... I don't think he's, like, a rich guy because he's, like, a young guy Mm -hmm. and he looks like a poker player. Like, it's rare to see somebody buy into an event for more than half of their Hendon. Like, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty unusual for sure. But that's the situation with this Amidi guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, we're going to open with... uh, Chan Wei Long, who is the, the guy with the most winnings, 6.7 million in earnings for Chan Wei Long. He's in the hijack with the 8-9 of clubs. He's going to open a 26K at the 12K big blind. Okay. Seems okay so far. Yeah. This is the minutia we're talking about here. 26K or 27K, what's better? I mean, obviously 26K is better. Obviously. Fewer I chips. It's weird you'd even ask that. Fewer physical chips. Yeah. Um, all right, with 8-9 of clubs, here's the first kind of interesting marginal decision. It's for Chun Tang Xiao, the 2 million earnings guy. He's in the small blind. He's got king, 10 of hearts, and he's got 265K at the 12K big blind. Okay. So he's got uh, 21 blinds. Yeah. Like 21.2 blinds. So it's automatically a weird spot with king, 10 of hearts. It's a hand that feels too strong to fold, right? Yeah, it feels pretty strong. So what are we supposed to do with the stack depth? I mean, I'm glad we're at this exact moment because, man... It brings a whole thing I want to talk about into play. All right. Let's talk okay. about your thing. So, so here's, here's the first part of this. So what I, what I would be thinking about is um, three betting or folding. here. I wouldn't really consider calling with 22 blinds out of position. It doesn't yeah. seem like a reasonable play. And this mirrors a hand we did recently on the breakdown. And now yeah. by the time people hear this, it's going to be like a month and a half later. So Maybe two months even. Yeah. But where um, Segerbrecht on, on the uh, EPT. Yeah. Is it um, the PCA, I guess? It's the PCA. It's the hand with Simon Dedman. Right. It's where uh, Marc-Andre Ladusser opens uh, the button. I think actually with King-10, but it doesn't matter. Uh, Segerbrecht, no, it's not King-10. Segerbrecht has King-6 of diamonds in the small blind and calls. Yeah, and he has something like 35 blinds. To yeah, like 31 blinds, I think, even. But whatever it is. And we went to town on that. You on that especially part. went to town yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you agreed. I mostly agreed, but I was like, you know, trying to find defenses in the little cracks. You were, but you you, you agreed. Yeah, with me, I ultimately. did. Yeah, okay. ultimately. So, um, and so one thing that came out was like a lot of people, a lot of people, a few people on uh, YouTube, especially, um, talked about how the solver says that's a call. The solvers say that's a call, yeah. not like Pio solver. Um, so, so it's possible that in this case also, King Ten suited is a call according to the solver. I would guess it is. Yeah. Um, sort of like uh, like you're saying like. Too strong to fold, not strong enough to three bet, and sort of go with. Can't right. like 
So you just, you just call with it because it's pretty good, right? And who cares if you're out of position? Who cares about these things? And uh, so, so my guess is that's what the solver would say. But I would like to go anti-solver here for, for, and I have a reason why. All right, let's hear this anti-solver rant. Okay. You'll so, eventually be considered a bigot for being so <laughs> anti-solver. Um, so, so here's the deal. Um, I believe that the solver could probably, assuming the solver says call here, which I believe it would. Without, without, maybe, I haven't looked, but I'm sure it would. explain a little bit more yeah. about a solver before you get into this rant? Like just okay. a, a little bit more specifically what it is overall. I mean, the solver is like the ultimate GTO machine, basically, right? right? And, and the way that certain ones work, like PioSolver, is to play against itself infinite times, right? Or is that I, Poker Snowy that does that? Um, it's Poker Snowy. It's probably all of yeah. them, though. Um, but yeah, but so basically, it knows how it wants to play. And Snowy's like super tight. And I think it's PO, not PO, PO. but whatever, I, um, I mean, I is, uh, is not as tight, clearly, since, you know, and some of these, a lot of the solvers aren't as tight. Um, and, and call on these spots and stuff like that. Snowy's super tight and doesn't do this kind of stuff, interestingly enough. So mm. they have different rules that they're, they're operating off of. But basically, but, but I think it's basically agreed, and I agree with this too, that if you were to play as Snowy or these other solvers play, you're going to be very successful. Yes. Like, so I'm not saying the solvers are dumb or can't be right or anything close to that. I'm sure they are, okay? However... King six suited, and in this case, I'm going to go with King ten suited because I did look at um, one of our uh, longtime listeners, Jackie Burkhart, uh, wrote to us and said, like, showed us the the chart where like the solver says this is a call, yeah, right. Um, and King ten suited, I think, was I'm almost sure was on that as well. So I'm going to assume cutoff opens, 22 blinds, the solver is going to say call. Um, but she said something else I thought was really important, which is, but the solver also know, is going to play perfectly post flop. Right. It knows every spot perfectly. Yeah. And humans don't. And so doing what the solver does for one step, but not being able to do it for the post-flop, which is three more steps, is hugely problematic. You know? Yeah. Like, and thus makes it not good unless you can actually play solver-level poker post-flop also. Now, we saw in our hand, Segerbrecht, I believe, did not play solver-level poker post-flop. By, by leading the river. By leading the river in a spot where he really can't ever, be, shouldn't ever be good. Right. Um, or if he's good, it's almost impossible to get value. Right. Um, so it seemed like he either has a check fold or a really tough check call. Mm-hmm. Those really seem like the only two possible options, and somehow he bet folded the best hand, yeah. which seemed like just a massive disaster. So he seemed to be not solverific. Yeah. Um, so my belief is that the solver probably says call. That may be why this guy is calling. It's possible he's calling because he doesn't know what else to do. Um, but practically, if you can't play perfectly post-flop, you shouldn't be doing what the solver says just because the solver says so. You need more reasons than that. So I'm not going to be able to play solver perfect um, poker post flop right now. Most people aren't. Almost almost everyone in the world isn't. I think probably nobody can play. Okay, but perfect. close enough that it's yeah. that you you can get away with. It. I imagine there are some players who actually are good enough post flop and understand all these spots post flop. They actually can play like do all this stuff pre flop solver wise, and it's going to work really well for them, mm. right? But I think the majority of people that's not even the majority of really good players. It's just not true, right? Um, so. Like, I know I'm going to play not well enough post-flop in this spot with 22 blinds and now 19.8 blinds with King 10 of hearts that calling is a bad play for me right now. You know, I'm not going to be able to play perfect computational poker here. Um, So instead, I'm going to be in the spot where I'm going to be out of position. I'm going to have invited the big blind in with a hand that when it flops top pair, doesn't have the kicker you really want it to have anyway. 
isn't going to love getting all its chips in, only plays small pots well unless it makes two pair or better, and out of position so it's hard to get value. None of this is great. I don't know. Also, it feels like maybe now this is different, but like we look pretty strong when we just flat here with 22 blinds. So it's hard to get value that way. It's just think, hard to get value. I think there's a lot ways. more flatting with these decks these days. There are. Yeah, there are. So, so, we, so that, that mitigates the strength thing a little bit. With 22 blinds, though. Oof. Anyway. But that's the thing, man. That's how it works. Yeah, So let me true. see if I can boil down your overall solver point. Cool. And I think something that was unsaid but also clear within what you're saying is that the majority of people are trying to use solver uh, solutions for situations are only using them preflop because preflop from every position in every stack size is already enough information that's incredibly hard to figure, like remember all of the different solver things from all the positions, from all the scenarios. Then you have to iterate that towards future decisions and have like all of these trees going off of them. There's no way that even the best in the world can be solver perfect by the turn, probably, if you really think about it. With, sure. With all the iterated decisions. I, I mean, I think that, I mean, that's true for everything, right? But, right. but they could be, um, but they could understand certain situations solver wise, right? They yes. Like, okay, well, when I have king six, so when I have this range of hands with this blind level and this spot, I want to play them this way. But, but you're right. Then the, the paths fork really quickly and different flops and right. all so, these things. So ultimately, one of the problems that I think we're currently seeing with the solver stuff is that people are making bad preflop decisions because they're only using the solver for preflop decisions because it's too hard to like keep it all together post-flop. That is my guess as to what's going on. It doesn't mean that's actually what's going on. By it, the might, way. it might not be. It may be that, A, they're just making mistakes preflop. B, it may be that they do feel they understand the solver stuff well enough or they understand what's going on well enough to be able to navigate post-flop effectively. I'm sure some people are able to do that. Yeah. Um, the people who put in like mass amounts of work, but... I don't think the work ever ends. It's an iterated game. You right. know, like it doesn't get better. You have to keep doing this forever. Right. And, and on top of that, there's just the more kind of practical application of playability. Yeah. Which is just like, it's tough to play King six suited from the small blind when somebody opens like, right. No matter what you're doing post flop, the solver, the solver solutions to the post flop stuff with King six suited are probably all extremely marginally profitable for that situation because it's like a terrible situation to be in in, in the first place anyway. Yeah. Right. So, I would think. Yeah. So, so coming back to King 10 suited, because we have 22 blinds, I kind of feel the same way. I don't. You, I actually... You like calling here? I think I'm fine with the call here. I think it plays well enough that you can call. It's just like... Not a huge fan of it, man. You can't, I understand, You but, can't three-bet fold, really, with this stack size. And you three I think bet, you can. I guess you can, but three-bet shoving is probably slightly more profitable than, than three-betting smaller, I would guess. Um, I mean, you're almost never going to get shoved on light. Almost that's, never. That's true. I guess, so I th- but, I think you but you're getting fold. called a lot because you're going to have to size it in such a way that you get called a lot in position if you want to be able to three bet. I mean, the guy makes it two point two. I think we make it like six. Yeah, you're going to get called a lot. You are going to get called a lot. It's true. Yeah. No, I mean it sucks. It's it's not a good spot either. Honestly, you're going to lose half your stack. A right. Fair amount so of I, time. I think I don't hate a call, especially if you feel like you are a good player and you can navigate post flop. I think king six suited is very different than king yeah. ten suited in that way. I agree. You know what? I do agree. King ten suited is very pretty. Yeah. And like. Like, you flop a really good top pair, a 10 high flop. That's a really good top pair. That's a really good top pair. It's true. But now you're off in three ways and not two ways. Right. You're out of position to two players. I agree. There's, but there's, there's all a lot of problems. problems. There's other problems with king six suited that aren't there with king 10 suited. Agreed. Like, Agreed. Like, uh, no straight draw. But also, like, when you let the big blind in, you're often going to have them out kicked with king 10. And there are more, way more times with king six that you won't if, if you flop a king. That is you know? absolutely correct. And that's a, big, that's a big deal for flatting as well. Yeah, and, and tens as well. No, that, that's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. 
Um, this is not nearly as bad a flat. I, I, I wanted to just talk about the solver thing, so I sort of grouped it all together. Yeah. Maybe that was a little unfair to King 10 here. I think it is. Okay. Um, it's certainly not awful to call here. None of the decisions are really great with King 10 I, here. I agree. And I think in uh, Chun Tong Xiao's seat, who's in the small blind with the King 10 suited in 21.2 blinds, I think calling is the best play. Yeah. I think it's what I would do at least. I honestly don't know what I would do. I feel like all three options are really reasonable, honestly. Like, I think it's okay just to fold with 22 blinds. Folding feels unreasonable to me. Really? I think maybe if you're closer to the bubble, you can justify that, but we're, like, far away from that. It's too good of a hand. The, a guy with a relatively big stack, he's got, like, 70 blinds, and the cutoff is open, or in the hijack. Then I just want, but then I just want to three-bet it. Then my next move is to three-bet it, you know? Yeah, I, just I, feel think, like, I think it just plays well enough you can flat. Like, the pot, there's so many man. disastrous scenarios that happen if you three-bet it. Like, just because like of your stack size, you're three-betting way too small to ever get folds from the big stack. I mean... Yeah, shoving is... You have a little too many blinds to yeah, shove. 22 exactly. is just too big. Right. It's a mistake. Like, 17 is, like, where you'd want to max out, I think, yeah, the shove, right? probably. Like, but... So then you're going to put in two blinds. Once in a while, you get squeezed out of the pot by the big blind, which sucks. But, but not all the time, because, like you said, there is still, still some representation of strength by flatting here. Like, the big blind's going to be a little bit afraid of your range. A little bit, yeah. But, like, what's our strongest hands? We've got aces. Got a little bit of aces. Okay, what's our strongest... You know, of our value, though, like what hands make up our, our, the majority of our strong hands? Okay, we have a little bit of the big pairs, but beyond that, what do we have? Like, do we have very many medium pairs? I don't think we do. We don't Probably like have tens, right? Probably like, not. How, how can we have tens? Do we have ace-queen? doesn't feel like it. We don't have ace-king. You know, maybe we have a tiny bit of these things. Yeah, but I'm saying like, probably a little bit of it. Fine, fine, because like, you're being balanced. But like beyond that, like, like most of your ace-queen you're not calling with, right? I'm not. No, mostly not. Most of your ace jack, you're not maybe ace jack suited. You decide to call because that plays similar. Yeah, maybe ace jack suited. But you but might decide just to go with that. Yeah, you can get called by hands where it's okay. Yeah, you know, um, ace ten suited. I guess if you're playing king queen, you're playing king ten. I guess you're playing uh, ace ten suited as well. Yeah, that's more of a three bet. What do you? Oh, you're three betting that. Okay, I what don't do you know. Do? I could I could see myself flatting that, but what, I, do you, what are you doing with ace ten off? Ace ten off is gross. That's like the hardest one. <laughs> I don't know. I think. I'm probably three bet going with ace 10 off or three bet shoving ace 10 off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just because you have the ace and it blocks more stuff. Yeah. You know, aces, actually, I I was reading a a poker book just the other day and they were talking about how having one ace is basically the same power in terms of range blocking that two kings has. It's Hmm. like double, double good for blocking. So that's... That's why people are always three betting with aces. Yeah. So... So there is so there is a lot more value in, with like ace any ace as a three bet than any king as a three bet. Although kings don't suck, obviously either. Um, oh yeah, I mean these are all super weird spots. Um, I think twenty two blinds also plays differently depending on uh, relative stack size in the tournament. You also know? the structure of the tournament, by the way. Yeah, like I think this is more. You can just shove this in like a daily twenty minute level tournament thing where it's like well. There's opportunities are few and far between, you know, and losing two blinds is a big deal because the blinds are going to go up in a second anyway. Like, I think it plays better as a call in a, a more well-structured tournament where you're going to have a lot more time. Also, by the way, this is a big blind any tournament. You just went through the big blind. Mm. You don't have to ante again for a long time. Yeah. That's, that leans me towards a call as well versus like a stack committing move. Yeah, I'm not a super, I'm not a huge fan of it with 22 blinds, but 
but I don't have good answers either. This is already, this is like we're talking about in the beginning. These are these marginal spots. You're yeah. going to have a million of these in this hand. This is just the first one. Right. Right. What is a kajillion marginal spots? Uh, it certainly can't be that bad to call with King 10 suited here. Yeah. I will say that. I don't think it's my preferred choice. I think I still prefer a three bet, but three bet fold, I think I like better. Um, just pick up the money that's in there. There's effectively five blinds in there. You're going to add like 20% to your stack right now. That sounds pretty, a little more, 22% to your stack. That's pretty awesome. I mean, but but I still wonder if you're going to have enough fold equity making it the amount that you have to make it to still be able to fold to a shove. You can make it seven blinds. They're going to fold all day long if you make it seven blinds and you're sh- folding to a shove anyway, even though it doesn't look like yeah. you are. Why don't you do that? Like add an extra blind. It's going to suck do that. when you lose seven blinds. Yeah, well, I mean, you're already, well, you're already, in your mind, you're already losing 2.2. You're already committing 2.2. No, I'm not that's a lot different because if you make seven blinds and somebody takes an aggressive action pre-flop, you're definitely losing those seven blinds. When you flat the 2.2 blinds, you're not definitely losing the 2.2 blinds. Oh, that's true. Someone takes an aggressive... Oh, pre-flop. Yeah. yeah. If, they, if they like shove on you. Yeah. yeah, that's true. That's true. It's a very different thing. Yeah, okay. But like, you know, in both cases, sometimes you're risking them both. It's a risk either way, right? I mean... I'm risking less than you are, buddy. But also, by putting those 2.2 in, the big blind could squeeze, and you could lose the without... The big blind's not squeezing. This, this guy's got no <laughs> earnings. <laughs> like, of course, you could still lose pre-flop. Anyway. This guy's begging on the street for the buy-in of this <laughs> tournament, man. He's not squeezing. Anyway. Anyway. He flats. Chun flats in the smaller with King-10 suitor. I think it's a wonderful, amazing play. Amidi mm-hmm. in the big blind has ace-seven of diamonds and 695K, so over 50 bigs. Okay, I got a rant. I got it. No, I'm <laughs> he's gonna flat the a seven. Also, yeah, I guess that's a hand you could squeeze if you wanted to. But being suited, it's like let's just see a flop. It's, it's fine to see a flop yeah. with this hand. But yeah, you absolutely could decide just to take the, take it down right now. It's totally reasonable, right? Also, totally reasonable is using the link in the description when you sign up for Nitrogen Sports Poker. You doofuses. This is the first time I've called the audience doofuses. It felt in good. In five years, it did it, it? It felt real good. Is it, you've, been, you've been holding that in for no, a while, No, it just, huh? it, doofus came to me. I, w- I was going to disparage the audience in some way. Well, we knew that. And I didn't know what word I was going to use. And I was like, I hope it's not offensive. And then I said doofus. And I was like, oh, perfect. Maybe that is offensive. Hit the nail on the head. By the time this comes out, that the world may have changed enough that it's offensive. Yeah, you know? doofus might be a really bad word. Like, I, I mean, if you watch movies from like the 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe even, eight, yeah, even 80s, you know, there's some offensive stuff in there now that wasn't offensive back then. Even like early 2000s, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's just lots of stuff. Like, Doofus was, is not one of to, them. <laughs> not right now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. What do you want to call the audience if not doofuses? I can't say anymore what I want to call you them. Have it's to now, it's one, offensive now. No, you're being inauthentic. You have to choose one disparaging word to call the audience in... And, and the point is to get them to sign up for Nitrogen Sports Poker. <laughs> oh, okay. So I got to disparage them in a way that gets them to... Yeah, like sign up for Nitrogen Sports Poker Room using the link in the description, you doofuses. Oh, so it's done like... It's done like not in a way to like bully them into it, though. More like a playful... Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we're like, not bullying the audience? You know, no, not yet. Later, oh, I'll bully the audience. Okay, okay. That's really different. Yeah. Okay. I got to right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll All do right, it. Go, All go right. Set up for nitrogen sports, you fucking geniuses. <laughs> is, that, is that good? That's, yeah, that's pretty good. Although it felt a little meaner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a real, real mean vibe to it. <laughs> you motherfucking <laughs> geniuses. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I was going to go with, I was going to go with dill weed, but you, you went in a different direction. Yeah. 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 No, I decided to really, 
you know, anyway, if you not- sign up using the <laughs> link in the description, you get access to our exclusive poker guys events, which right now iterates as iterates. No, um, manifests as our monthly tournament, which is a 0.1 millibit buy-in, a 100 millibit guarantee. That means the guarantee is 1000 times the buy-in. We've only ever gotten about 80 players at most. That means there's a ton of free money out there. You got to get in there and get you some poker. You got to do it. There's sports betting. There's casino betting. Use the link in the description to sign up. That's all you got to you do. You fucking idiots. You fucking geniuses. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say this. Use that one for your next poker time ad. Yeah. Night. <laughs> we dare you. Yeah. Um, I know that there's some people out there who like skip the ads, but yeah. you guys are fucking up. Yeah. That was the best part of this whole show just there. That We are not going to top that for the rest of this podcast. <laughs> there's no way. That's probably that true. That was amazing. All right. So anyway, you guys fucked up again. Yeah, that's, they keep doing it. They're doofuses. All right, ninety k in the pot. <laughs> yeah, ninety k in the pot. We've got uh, Chun Tong Xiao, who is flat out of the small blind, making the most interesting decision so far with King Ten suited and only twenty one blinds. Yeah, King Ten of Hearts specifically, Ace Seven of Diamonds for the big blind Amidi with over fifty blinds, and then the big stack in the hand is Chan Wei Long, who opened with eight nine of clubs. Oh, that's weird. Uh, with eight nine of clubs, so we have three reasonable hands heading to the flop. Okay. 90K in the pot. And the flop is 10 of spades, four of clubs, seven of spades. Okay. So something for everybody. Nobody's got spades, but the opener, Chan Wei Long, has eight, nine of clubs. So he's got the open ender and the backdoor flush draw. King 10 loves the flop, obviously. 10 yeah. high flop. Pretty amazing for the small blind here. And a meaty with middle pair with his ace seven. Two spades on this board. Two spades. Okay. All right. First question Should the King 10 consider leading? I don't hate a- <coughs> Excuse me. I don't hate a lead here at all. Um, it's because, a wet board. Because of stack depth? or uh, of For a bunch of reasons. One, because of stack depth. Two, because of the board itself. Three, because of the wetness of the board. It's a, it's a relatively dry board. We don't have to have... We can comfortably get it in here and be ahead. Um, but we can be up against a made hand still. Like I think other tens could decide to like move us in. Um, I think it's not unreasonable. Yeah. Uh, we can also, of course, be up against draws. If we're up against a better... If there's like... If someone's got two jacks... We're screwed anyway. Like yeah, so we're gonna it. get our chips. Like whatever. Like I think, I think leading is totally reasonable. I think it's okay to check raise as well. We should, but I think we should be looking to do one of those two things. The reason why you'd lead is because you'd be worried that this this board would would force a check through a lot. Yeah. So that's the re- that's the only concern I would have with not leading and going for the check raise instead. But to me, my intention would be to take an aggressive act on this flop, one way or another. What do you yeah, think? I think that's probably about right. I mean, unless we know something about. Chan Wei Long, that he's like a crazy guy. Maybe then we just check call against him. Oh, to let, let him bluff let him his way home. and never fold on any card, basically. Right. Yeah. So that that's one option if if he's a, an aggressive player. But I don't know anything about him, so I don't know if that could be a plan or not. Sure. Anyway, uh, Chun decides to check his top pair instead. Okay. Which is fine. Uh, this is a bit interesting. Amidi in the big one with the A seven decides to lead. He's gonna bet. How much did he bet? I wrote it down. Forty seven k. Okay. To ninety k with A seven. I don't know about this, man. This is a, like a kind of a classic amateur-looking play with middle pair. I mean, it's not that different from leading top pair, really, right? I mean, it's kind of if he's got it's different. It's weaker. It's a weaker hand, but it but the reasoning would be the same, right? You have a, a hand that's vulnerable on a wet board, three ways where it's going to check through a lot, and you don't want it to check through. I mean, we're making this big assumption that's going to check through a lot. We don't know for sure that it's going to check through a lot. A lot of players are going to check this three ways, right? When it when it the, a lot yeah. of preflop raises are going to check this. Now, if you have an over pair, you're probably going to bet it because it's wet a lot of the time, right? But if you have not like if you have king queen here, 
Are you really betting this very often? I, think, I don't think you're. I don't think there's very oh, many bluffs that go. That's in. That's fair, but I th- I think that you're underestimating the difference between King Ten and A Seven on this board. Okay, like you're really hurting yourself in ways with A Seven that you're not with King Ten. Like the worst tens have you in jail, and yeah, are the King Ten has in jail that are definitely not folding. Right, and there's well, po- the- pocket eights and pocket nines. Sure. No, of course. But what's the like? Any ten isn't a problem. A ten is going to bet, and we're going to call anyway on the flop. But we're going to get that information either way. Right. So, but okay. And it's also a stack thing. Like the, with uh, Chun in the small blind, he can bet call pretty comfortably because of the draws on the board. Yes. You're folding a seven if you get raised. You absolutely are. Which is kind of the amateur, like, donk bet, find out where I am. Thing. That, that, that is the part I don't like about it. You are folding. But I think sometimes, you know, when people lead in these spots, you, you just have to, like, you, you're folding some of those hands. Like, you can't lead call with everything. If you do, then that's bad, right? You need to be lead folding some things. So I mean I, I think, mean normally I think you want to, way better hands to do that with in this. Yeah, hand I agree. Has, I mean I'd rather this do hand it with like, media value. Why don't we have a gut shot? I, I I was just gonna say I'd much rather do it with a gut shot, um, for sure. But I think that's what's going on anyway, right? So I don't I don't like completely hate it because it is sort of a disaster for it to check through and then have an overcard come and now you just lose the pot when you were gonna win the pot. I mean it's not know? a disaster because you put in one extra blind in the big blind, who gives a shit? I mean, okay, fair enough. But the pot has like seven and a half blinds and eight blinds in it, right? Like those are right now they're they're yours a lot of the time like a lot of the time you would have the best hand here and you're just it's okay to like bet a little bit to see what and see what happens i don't think it's the end of the world would you um mostly i would check this yeah seems like the play yeah i agree i mean i I think i would be much more willing to i wouldn't always lead the king 10 but if i'm not leading the king 10 like i said i'd be looking to check raise this hand i would like you're saying i'd be looking to check call most of the time i would check if we get a bet um i wouldn't overcall. i don't think you but I would, over, I would, I would, yeah, I, I would check call. I guess that stack depth, you probably can't over call. Yeah, but I, but I would call the the preflop raiser if he bet, and then we'd be heads up a lot, and it wouldn't. So I'm out of position. So it's a bit of a wet board. It's okay. We don't have to yeah. play a huge pot. That's how I'd be playing. You it. get, to, you're, you're a good player. You get to make decisions later. Exactly. You know? So, so I, so while I'm defending this whole thing, actually, I wouldn't do it. Okay. To be clear, um, but still, I don't think it's the end of the world to do this, and I actually feel like. I think this is true for you. I know it's true for me. I'd like to lead more than I do. And so like looking for places to lead is a good thing. Maybe this is too much. Maybe this is too wide. But, but I, think it's a st- I think it's a good thing to be looking to do on boards like this. I actually have been leading more for yeah. about a year now. And it's not with hands like this. Right. It's, yeah. Okay. Not to say that I'm doing it perfectly. But I mean, right. But like, should, should you be leading even more? Like, how's it working, by the way? How's your leading working? I think pretty well, I would say, overall. I don't have like a chart or anything. Yeah. But do overall. you usually, when, when you lead, do you feel like you get a lot, a lot of folds or do you feel like you just, um, like, how, like, talk um, about it? It really depends on the board texture and the scenario sure. and the opponent. I, I feel like I get more folds than I expect. Yeah. I'll say that. Right. I, I get more folds than I, I'm expecting the preflop raiser to raise or call me a lot of the time. And often they just fold. Yeah. Um, I, I get not a ton of calls. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of folds and a lot of raises. Yeah. And that might have to do with the type of opponent I'm against, which is a bit more of an amateurish opponent for the most part. Right. Um, so. Right. Like, cause like if you lead, if a seven leads here, they wouldn't expect to get raised by an over very often in this, right. in this tournament. But like in a $300 tournament, you really might get raised by jacks. Yeah. You really right. might. So that's, so there's not, so like your opponents don't have that many value raises. Right. They have some, but like they're never raising top pair. Oh, I shouldn't say never. They're rarely doing that kind of stuff. Right. Right. So that, so that also cuts down on like your worries. Yeah. And to be fair, my leading strategy has been unbalanced towards value in general. I mm-hmm. get more folds than I want to, but it, I think, over over the course of the hands that I've done it, and I've gotten more value than I otherwise would because people get confused by it. Yeah. So 
I, I don't often lead gut shots in hands like that unless I'm against particular players who I know are like thinking players. Yeah. You know. So I'm so I don't know. Maybe maybe you should widen your, your leading range more if you're getting all these folds. Maybe Just I should, but I don't think it should include this type of hand. Yeah. Why this would is, I this do is with more, this no, type no, of No, no, I agree with that. This is like a check call hand pretty clearly. This is like the most obvious check call hand in the deck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to defend the players, man. I went after the other guy. I got to somebody. Yeah, you went after somebody. the other guy who made the good decision and going after... And I mean, I don't love it. I don't like any of these decisions, but I don't hate them either. Yeah. I don't think this is horrible. I agree. I think check calls better. I don't think it's horrible either, to be clear. Okay. I just don't like it very much. Okay. Anyway, he bets 47K with his A7. Again, it's the 10 7 4 2 spade board. Yeah. Then we got Chan Wei Long, who was the original Razor, and he's got sitting there with the 8 9 of clubs, opening it with a backdoor flush draw. This is an interesting decision, too. You can definitely go one of two ways. You can definitely call, you can definitely raise. The problem with raising is that we can get blown off this hand. We can. And we might get blown off the hand. Some, first of all, it's the big blind, so he can have two pair combos that like the small blind can't have, right? What's the board again? It's 10, 10 7, 4. 4, right? So he can have some 7, 4s. Yeah. He can have the 10, 7s. We don't really have any of that stuff. We have 10, 7 suited. We have 10, 7 suited. He has 10, 7 off, Yeah. right? He may have 7, 4 off. He probably does. Right. Um, we don't have that either. We don't have that much value. Um, now, he has probably doesn't have pocket 10s. He might have sevens. He might have fours. Yeah. So we can have the nuts more often than he can, but like whatever, there's not that many combos of that. So I feel like if we raise, we're most, we have, we have probably not enough value compared to him. Like his range is stronger than ours. So yeah, that's a fair point. And, and I would hate to have him blow us off the hand if he has spades. That would be such a freaking disaster. Yeah, no, that, that's a fair point. Um, that all makes position. sense. From a range perspective, that all makes sense. From a practical perspective, it kind of sucks to flat nine high when you could win the pot with nine high instead. It's like, true, but, but sometimes he's going to check you know, on the turn of the river and give up, and we're going to yeah. win. Like We're going to bluff this if he checks the turn it, right? right. Like, that's got to be part of the plan. And the, the nice thing is when the jack or the six rolls off, it's way more hidden than the spade. And we can also rep the spades if they come, if he, and he checks. Yeah. So I, I actually like a call um, more than our raise here. Okay. I think that's a fair point. From, from a, okay, against these players who are good, I yeah. think I agree. If it's one of those three hundred dollar tournaments, yeah, I think a raise is probably better because they never have it. They usually have a seven. Actually, <laughs> they actually have a seven like every time. I mean, honestly, bet, you, and they're bet folding. You win. And you win either way, though. Like they, you call, then they just check the turn and they give up. No, and you, sometimes they keep betting. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I guess they do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, but usually it's the same amount they bet on the floor. Right. So then you raise. And then they bet the same amount again on or the you river. Call. And then you, like ra- the, you raise like at the, some point. I like the king queen run out. They bet yeah. the same amount on the turn and the river. It is amazing. That's what always happens. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Chan decides to just call. And I think against these types of players is probably the right. Yeah, yeah, I think I I agree with you. Now, this is an opportunity for Mr. King 10 over here. Chun. We did it. He's got a how much does he have left here? He's got like 240 K remaining. How much is in the pot? There is 90 to start the flop. And then there's about another hundred. So because he bet like 48, right? It's 47. 47. Yeah. yeah. So it's like 185 K or something in there. He's got 200. 240. 240. Okay. This feels very straightforward. Yeah, you could just put put the money in. I mean, isn't that, why wouldn't we put the money in right now? Right. Instead, he calls. This one is strange. Yep. <laughs> I think I agree when, when you're at this stack depth, especially considering that we're not even close to any ICM considerations. Like, we're not worried about just blowing up our tournament. Right. Uh, why not just put the money in on this wet board? We flop top pair. We've gotten this gift of a lead and a call where, like, a lot of the time we have the best hand. We can even get called by worse hands. Sometimes we can get called by draws. It's all great. 
we can be ahead of the better or the caller. Like one of them can have jack 10 or queen 10 or something yeah. like that. Um, the other one can have a draw for sure. They could both have draws. Like the pot is big. We're going to be out of position on the turn if we just call. It could check through a lot, which is a disaster on this wet board. And you don't know what you're trying to dodge except a king or a 10 of not spades. I mean, it feels like if you're going to play the hand this way, you have to move in. And this goes back to, and I don't even know what the solver would say, but it feels like the solver would be like, I'm all in. <laughs> you, you might think that, yeah. I don't know for sure, though, because yeah. I didn't know the solver was going to call with king, six of diamonds. But this sort of goes back to like, if you can't play it well post-flop, it takes away some of the value of playing it pre-flop. Well, this know? doesn't, he might not think he's playing it poorly post-flop. I'm sure. Well, no one thinks they're playing anything poorly post-flop when they do it. Well, it's mostly. I mean, once in a while, I'm like, is, am I just screwing this up really bad? <laughs> <laughs> this may be really bad. <laughs> but like most people don't think that, right? They just are like, I don't know what to do. But that doesn't mean, I, I, I think the fact that he just calls is a bit of a condemnation of now his pre-flop call. I think that makes it the preflop call worse. I think just calling makes sense in a heads up scenario a little bit. Like you can do it sometimes, but yeah, that's better. Yeah, you could decide to raise anyway you could. because the pot's important to you now, yeah. size wise. But you could decide, especially if you think that if the guy's got bluffs, the guy's going to try and push you around. You should absolutely just call. Yeah, right. Um, that's fine. Also, if you think like this is the kind of player where it's just game theory disaster to move in, you may call and try and fade a card on the right. turn. Mostly, you're going to right, yeah. and then like. Sometimes you have to play a little bit of a guessing game on the turn, but you set it up that way and too bad for you. Like live that life, bro. Um, I don't understand how you can just call here. Yeah. I don't, I don't see how this can ever be a good. Obviously play. it's very different. If he starts the hand with 45 blinds, then it's a pretty clear just call. No question about yeah. it. No question about it. Yeah. He might be three betting pre though with 45 maybe. blinds also, but maybe he isn't. And it, but then that feels like a, you can absolutely just call. Cause now you're sort of bluffing by yeah. raising, which doesn't make any sense. Right. Um, or you don't really know what to do, so you so you raise because you hope it all and you hope everyone folds. Sort of that means you just had the best hand anyway. And what the hell? Um, yeah. So I I feel like this has got to be a move in based on sack size. That's it. Yeah, I agree. He's but, afraid because the over because the guy because the preflop raiser called that he's got ace ten plus. Okay, sometimes. but if, he, if you check too many bet, he also has ace ten plus. Yeah, I guess he's more defined because he called though, right? Because he actually has something. Yeah, but he could have a draw. Like he does. He absolutely could, he could have, have a, a weaker 10. He could have pocket eights, pocket nines. He could have seven, eight suited. He could have maybe even pocket sixes, depending on what he thinks about the big blind. Absolutely. Yeah. He could have jack nine suited yeah. and have a gutter. You know, he could have things. Yeah. I think, yeah. I, I mean, I think it's a pretty clear move in. I agree. He could have just two spades in his hand. I mean, come on. Anyway, Chun decides just to call. Yeah. Pot's now 231,000 chips. Jonathan is upset. This is this is what happens when and I bit we've all been here, okay? When like we act like our stack is so precious that like we refuse to like win the pot. Yeah. You know, I'm like so careful I'm not gonna win the pot, and we just like whittle ourselves down. And I feel like now look, he can still win this hand. He has yeah, the best hand. He has the best hand. But like this is not how you win in poker, I feel like. All right, continue. Moving on. There's more interesting stuff to come. Okay. Two hundred and thirty one K in the pot. The turn is the eight of diamonds. Which is an interesting card because Jack Nine would have gotten there. Of Jack course. Nine makes the nuttas, but nobody has Jack Nine. It is a ten seven four two spade board. Turn is the eight of diamonds. Uh, the diamond does not bring another flush draw. That's a pretty wet card. Yeah, not a spade at least. Uh, it improves the eight nine of Chan Wei Long to being second pair along with the open ender now. King Ten still sitting pretty. Ace Seven doesn't like this card at all. 
This like, is a really bad card for A7, especially. I mean, this is a really no bad card it. for King 10 also, really. Like, it's this, not really bad. But especially it? for A7, because like yeah. so many hands improved to be beating A7. I mean, 8-9, Jack-9. Jack-8. Yeah, Jack-8 all are now beating you yeah. and aren't going to fold. Right. That's problematic. 7-9. Yeah, if 7-9's out there. I don't know if 7-9's really calling. Jack-9 has seven, the... 7-9 uh, is wrong. I meant 6-9, but that's cool. Seven's okay. on the floor. Oh yeah, okay, you're right, you're right. I meant yeah. six nine also. I don't know if, I don't think six nine's out there. Yeah. Seven eight, by the way. Also a possibility. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's just a really bad card for A seven. So the King Ten guy, I don't know. Should he just ship it now? I'm wondering if he should. A spade didn't come, an overcard didn't come. Okay, I understand it sort of sucks. Every time they improve, they're just gonna snap you off, but like you're you're not folding, are you? Like right. you're going to check call anyway. It all in basically. Why not it's, move in and yeah? There's 231 k in, the, in the pot, and Chun with King Ten is sitting there with about 190 k. I mean, of course, if we were going to do this, then we probably should just moved in on the flop, right? Well, we saw a safe card now. Okay, a safe-ish card, a yeah. relatively safe card. It's That's not true. a spade. It's not an over card. That's probably the two most important things. I agree, and it's not. It, yeah, it seems like pretty darn good. Yeah, so I think it's probably okay to move in here. I, I mean, I think it's fine to move in. Instead, Chun is going to check, which you know isn't terrible either. It's okay, but I assume we're just going to check and eventually get in on this we'll spot. We'll turn see what happens. Yeah. So now a meaty is going to bet again. Yeah. So this is clearly a bluff at this point. You got called in two spots, right? This has to be a bluff now. Unless he's thinking they both have spades. I'm just charging the spades, which is like there's no reason to think that. I mean, let me say this. This bluff should work a lot. Like, let's pretend you have ace-10. And you are the uh, pre-flop raiser, right? Okay. That's, is that long? Uh, yeah. Okay. So you just, it just, you just got overcalled, and then the eight comes, which is not a card you want to see. Now, there's a lot of cards you don't want to see. Right. That's one of them, though. That's like connects things and makes straights and two pair and all those things like we're talking about. And then this guy decides to bet into two players, again, who just both call them. Ace-10 is not supposed to be good. You can call, sure. but it's not supposed to be good. Like, if the guy's got value, he's supposed to be ahead. Okay, so that works against Ace-10. Yeah. But is it a good card to do this on even so? Because, like, there's other hands besides Ace-10 that the opponents can have. You got oh. called in two spots in the flop. Of course. Well, I'm saying anything like Ace-10. Though. Yeah, yeah. Any, like, kind of good one pair of hand hates it. But does this feel a little bit reckless to you, what Amidi's doing? Like, 100%. He blocks 7-8, but 7-8 gets there. 10-8 gets there. Jack-9 gets there. 6-9 gets there. Like, it's a lot of hands that would have called on the flop. Got six, there. nine is not calling on the flop. Stop okay. saying six, nine. Okay, fine. But a lot of hands that would have called on the flop. There are some hands, but, but then a lot of other hands that would have called on the flop now feel like they have to fold. Like maybe he feels like he can fold out flush draws. How much does he bet? Not that much. 83 K into two thirty one. Yeah. He might be able to fold out a flush draw for that much anyway. I mean, it's, it's not getting the right immediate odds. That's for sure. Um, I don't think Chan is going to fold a flush draw. I don't think I would fold the flush draw because I assume I usually have overs with that. I also one. wouldn't expect Chun to have a flush draw because no. he didn't raise the flop right. or lead the flop. Right. Because with his stack He's size. never going to have a flush draw. Yeah. But he rarely has a very strong hand, right? Yeah, unless he is like super playing weird with a set or something. Okay, fine. Yeah. But really rarely, yeah. right? Um, he may have no set, no pocket sevens in his range. It's possible. He may have no, and you know, he may have no sets in his range, possibly. Possibly. So that would be good. He may have only a few two-pair combos and almost nothing else. Yeah. So then, like, he can't really call very often. I don't know. I'm just saying you can use these guys against each other by betting the turn. Yeah. I mean, it looks strong to bet into two players. It's weird to do it with a hand that actually has value, might be the best hand, and a card that 
I mean, there's a lot of bad cards. This is this is not the worst card. This is not a horrible card, but it's not a good card. I just feel like if Amidi had King Jack of Spades, I would like like everything he's doing versus him having yeah. a seven of diamonds of makes me not really like it. I don't disagree with you. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. But I'm saying like, I don't think this is a good play, but I can see some value in it. I see some benefits to this where you're like, you're just going to win a lot anyway. Just by firing again, it's really hard to call two barrels in a tournament, you know? Yeah. And like... A lot of people don't like to. A lot of people fold top pair when someone barrels twice, right? I've certainly done it. Oh, I yeah. watch people do it all the time. And you know, if you think you can get people to fold hands as good as top pair, that's pretty great. It is. It is. I don't know if an overbear can fold if Chanway Long. I don't think an overbear is folding. Also, yeah. because you have um, Xiao. Yeah, Chun Chun Tong Xiao is in the small blind, but he's only got now like what seventeen blinds left. So if you got like aces. You're just sitting there you're like, well, if he moves in, he moves in. Like, yeah. that's, it doesn't matter. It's right. okay. I don't have to worry about him so much. I'm worried about the other guy. I mean, I don't love it, but I'm going to call and whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're not folding an overpair, I don't think. Yeah, either way, bet of 83K. I mean, if you're not folding an overpair, you probably shouldn't fold ace 10 either. It's but. interesting for Amidi to be turning his hand into a bluff here. It is. I, like, I think on the flop, it was mostly just like protection. Yeah, I think so. And, and now, and now, now he's clearly a, bluffing. Now it's a bluff. Uh, Chen Wei Long, what do you think he should do? He's now picked up the pair to go with his open-ender. Feels like a super straightforward call. Yeah, you have too much equity against pretty much everything to you fold. You actually can win some things at showdown. As it turns out, you're beating the better anyway. Yeah. That's pretty great. You still are open-ended. You're in position. Spades didn't come in. You could be ahead. If you're not, you still have ways to win. Sounds like a plan. Sounds yep. like an easy call. He does. Good. Now what do you do if you're tuned? Wow. This is a spot now. Now it's a spot. It wasn't... We sort of made this into a spot for ourselves, too. If we think that... Chan Wei Long is folding ace 10 some of the time to this line. That doesn't bode no. well for our king 10 here once he decides to call. I mean, if we sit there, forget about folding ace 10. Is he calling with queen 10 very often? Is the yeah. real question we have to ask ourselves. I don't know if he is. Right. Like queen 10 feels like a ace 10 maybe he's going to station with. Um, but like, is he ever, like, he's probably not calling queen 10 that often with us behind him, right? Probably not. So what can we beat of his? Well, we can beat the hand he has. We it can has beat to be, spades. It has to be just eight, nine in spades, right? Um, Jack eight, maybe calls. Maybe Jack eight. But there's not much. Yeah. There's very few things now. So now we may have to freaking fold. Yeah. Feels like we have to fold our hand. It does. What a disaster. That's what Chun does. He folds. Yeah. He's got all the equity and he folds. Should have just shoved the flop. Shove the flop, man. Would have preferred that. Wow. Anyway, Amidi's sitting there just fucking hating his life right now that he got called. Well, like, he is in third. He was in third place. Now he's in second place. He's he, moved up. He had to know this was an inevitability, like some of the time. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if he's going to fire on certain rivers. I wonder too. Pot's three hundred ninety-seven k now. It got big. Yeah. Pretty serious well, pot. Who's the effective stack? It's Amidi, it right? It is Amidi. He started the hand with six hundred ninety-five k. So, so he's got like 550? Yeah, he's still got a lot of chips left. Okay. Uh, the river is the nine of spades. So it's like maybe the whitest card in the deck. It yeah. It makes a four card straight on the board. Super sick. And uh, the spades come in from the flop. Yeah. So do you think Amidi should give up? Let's talk about it. Okay. Okay, so it's possible. Okay, we could definitely be up against spades here, first of all. If you're Amidi, yeah. We could definitely be up against... There's not too many jacks we're up against. Maybe jack 10. Maybe jack 10, maybe jack 8. I guess jack 9 could have the nuts and just call the turn yeah. sometimes. Um, that's kind of it. I guess there could be jack spades with jacks in them too. 
which is an easy call on the turn then. If he's which got like a stack of spades. Because that is also oh, right. It doesn't spades. matter. You're the right, spades right. came in. Okay, fair enough. Um, so there aren't, but there aren't that many jacks he has. We have more jacks. Wait, do we? We have jack 10. We have jack 9. We have jack 8. I guess we have jack 7 sometimes if we have freaking ace 7. I think so. That's it for jacks, but okay. So we've got those. I think we have all the spades. We should have all the spades. Yeah. But both, both guys can kind of have all the spades, right? We have wider preflop range. So. Okay, no, you're right, you're right. Sorry. We have all the spades. He doesn't have like do seven of spades. He has the higher end spades. He has the ace yeah. king of spades. We don't, but we have more spades than he does. Yeah. We've got more spades. We have more jacks. Yeah. We don't have the best hand ever, ever in a million years. No. This is a reasonable time to bluff. Yeah, I think so. If he's got two queens, what's he going to do? Two queens with the queen of spades, is he really going to call? I mean, such a bad He's got to know our reputation as a bluffy guy to call there. Yeah. Right. He has to have really good reason. Like, I think the spade blocker alone is probably not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. I think we should, I think we should now bluff this card. I think this is like one of the, this is like our get out of jail free card. Right. Take a shot at it. And I think we should size it in a certain way because we have so many spade combos that include low spades and we want to include those in our range. I think we should bet like 125K into 397. I think we should go a little higher, but not much higher. I think like a, a solid 170 is, is fine. Yeah, I just feel like 125 is probably going to get the same reaction from an overpair and is maybe more believable as to like what you would be trying to get called. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to is um, Long a mathy guy or a feel guy? Yeah. Right? If he's a mathy guy, we should bet more. If he's a feel guy, we should bet like 125 and yeah. save ourselves money every time he calls. Right. Um, and we don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Um, but if we have any sense of that at all, we should size up a little bit or size down a little bit just based on that. Yeah. Because Matthew guys are going to call more off. Matthew guys, queens with the queen of spades, are probably going to lean toward a call because mm-hmm. they're just getting too good a price and be like, well, maybe not. I mean, it's such a bad card. What are they supposed to beat? Yeah. This goes back to your point of 125. Right. I'd be worried, though, that I, I always worry about giving Matthew guys too good a price. I just always worry about it, you know, so I always size it up a little bit more <laughs> against the Matthew guys. Uh you know what's awesome, mm-hmm. just as a, as a little aside, and it has nothing to do with players like this, but when you're playing against, you know, pretty bad regs, bad players, and you know it's a type of guy who is completely price insensitive and you can do whatever you oh, want yeah. sizing-wise, and you're just like on the river, if you have it, you're just like 2x pot, and they're going to call if they're going to call, they're going to fold if they're going to fold, and if you're bluffing about like one-sixth of the pot and the same result. My favorite is, yeah, they're like, it doesn't matter. I can bet any amount, and they're if they're folding, they're folding. Yeah. It's all the same. I remember one time, this is a long time, I was playing an $1,100 tournament, and uh, I had two aces, and the board ran out where I got raised on the flop. The turn brought like a third spade. I didn't have a spade, though, and I called because this guy was a little bit bluffy. I had already seen him be bluffy. There was a fourth spade, and I bet like one-fortieth of the pot. Did like the ulti- I bet like 1100 maybe it wasn't 140 I bet like 1100 like to 28,000 or something like that. Wow. And he insta-folded. And it was like, that was great. <laughs> I mean, I probably had the best hand, honestly, yeah. but I wasn't going to be able to call. He was sizing huge. Right. And I knew I wasn't going to be able to call his huge sizing with, with no spade. I, knew, I just knew I wasn't going to be able to do it. I knew I was going to fold. So I was like, why don't I bet a tiny amount, block him. If he can raise me, congratulations. It basically cost me the same amount that I was going to fold. I was going to, you know, it cost me almost nothing. Um, once, once I wasn't really trying to get him to fall. I was just trying to get him to call, you know? And then like, I think yeah. I win enough that it's fine. And I get to, I get to get to showdown and said he insta folded. And I think again, I'm sure I had the best hand, but like, I think it's the only way I really win the pot is to do that. You know, mm-hmm. like that felt great. So it was like one, one twenty seventh of the pot or something. I mean, that's, that's just cool. Well, that's not what a meaty does. Right. He decides to give up and check. 
Okay. And I think I like a bluff better, but I understand checking. I mean, it's just it's like... Scary. It's a scary card. Uh, You're like... You get, I mean, Chen Weilong doesn't really have a ton of jacks, but he does have spades. My guess, too, is that immediately on the turn when he got called and his head was like done. Yeah, maybe you know, he's, so. He's like, all right, all right, all right. I, I certainly do that. I'm like in my head, I'm like, okay, stop. Stop. Yeah. No more chips go in right now. This is not working. It's not going to work. And then, like, the right card comes, but you've sort of already talked yourself into something else, and it's harder to pull the trigger. Then, right. like, if you're, like, you know, like, sometimes you just, like, wait, and you're, like, what's, you know, like, I'm probably bluffing the river, and then the card comes. You're, like, oh, yeah, for sure I'm yeah. bluffing this river. Like, this, I think if he was in that a little more open to it, it'd been easier to pull the trigger. Right. I don't really know, what, of course, what was going on in his head. but And then, of course, Chen Wei Long has a pretty easy check back, having river do pair. Like, there's not a much value in betting. It doesn't feel like it, right? Like, you're definitely getting called by pretty much everything better. Yeah. I guess you could try and fold out a set, but that's not what we're trying to no. do here. Um, you would hate to have him just, like, call with a straight and, yeah. like, lose all these extra chips for no reason when you when you are beating a few things. Right. I mean, you're basically just hoping he's got 7-4, you know, when he checks. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> I guess we could try and bluff out, like, uh, 10s up. But there's not too many of those. Yeah, I think checking is the we right We block 10-8 and 10-9 even. And that's what Chan does, and he gets to win the pot. Yeah. And I know the river wasn't a big exciting thing, but that's why I said like it's one of those hands where there, there are these decisions in the margins, and there were so many of those leading up to the river. So many. All these little things were like... I think, you know, it's really, for me, anyway, it's a marginal thing when I start in one place and I end with like, yeah, I guess it's fine. Yeah. You know, and that's like what happened with the King-10 suited part of it, right. you know. It's like, yeah, yeah. And even even like the leading the A7, I'm like, yeah, I get why he does it. I don't love it, but I get it, you know. Mm, I agree. It's not really the hand to do it with, but it's not the end of the world. Yeah. I think uh, the more interesting stuff was uh, Chun's decisions on the flop and turn with King-10. I know. I don't really understand those. Yeah. I mean, the turn. The turn, I get the fold yeah. there. Um, but this is like, ugh. How awful must he have felt when all the hands turn over and he's like, I think I just win if I just play this differently. Like if he shoves the flop, like maybe eight, nine calls and he loses. I mean, why would eight, nine be call? They're not getting the right price. Probably not. Let's see. It's 47, 47 and a shove. So it would have been like 185 K in the pot and you have to call. Yeah. Well, more than that, but so it's like 400 K in the pot and you got to call like 220, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's like not close. Yeah, I mean, I shouldn't say flusher. it's not close. Yeah, it's not good enough. Also, because you don't have spades. Like, what if the guy's got spades? You get there and it doesn't even, you know, it's yeah. like not all your outs are clean. He's definitely folding. Yeah, you're right. Um, so he's sitting there like, oh, I could have almost, I could have doubled my stack and instead I lost. Yeah. I'm, I cut out 25% of my stack. Great job. Yeah, the flop seemed like the big mistake there. Yes. Yes, it did. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.